The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. Sometimes, when a movie franchise dies, a crow is sent to guide it back from the dead. Sometimes, the crow makes a horrible mistake. And sometimes, you're strangely surprised. This is Totally Super. (laughs) Welcome to Totally Super, where we review every superhero movie ever made? Every superhero (laughs) movie. (laughs) Which is where, as I say, every superhero movie ever made. Yeah, the, the, the big question at the beginning of last week was, was the crow city of angels a superhero? This week, we ask... Are these movies? <laughs> are these movies movies? Are these are these actually movies? What are what are we watching? Um, what is a uh, movie uh, really? As we discussed last week, uh, we are um, we are in the position of of bragging that we're going to review every superhero every movie ever made, which means eventually we have to hit the bad ones. And for the last yeah. year and a half on Totally Super, we have mostly hit movies that we either like or are deeply interested in. Like like I love Kick Ass. Kick-Ass 2 was something I really wanted to talk about. You know, Batman and Robin, we all know is bad, but it's something that we had to talk about it. Because um, it was part of an amazing are, franchise of Batman. The, and its badness was legendary. You know, you yeah. you had to just like, like, and then there are the superhero movies like this one, uh, at least two that we're doing. Which that exist. Are, that, that are superhero movies that I don't want to see. Nobody cares about. We're going to have to do a major franchise after this one because between doing like our last three are like Electra, The Crow City of Angels, and these two films are the last, mm-hmm. last three podcasts that we did. You know, it, and, in hindsight, maybe we should have saved a couple really good films so that like since we're taping so that like, you know, the podcast that we release during the coronavirus epidemic quarantine, we're, we're not and all we're doing is talking about terrible films. It's like, oh, my gosh, could we, you know, something like to totally but, super what the hell else are you doing it's, yeah it's i know you know, maybe, or, or maybe today or maybe this is the best time to release the podcast about bad films because this is the time when mo- when people are going to be most likely to be like i literally have nothing else to do sure i'll listen to this podcast about the crow three and the crow four yeah. because so, it would take spo- a massive worldwide pandemic uh, let's be honest it took a massive worldwide pandemic to make us watch these films let alone so, listen so, yeah, to a podcast about them we we never ever start off with a spoiler alert because we kind of assume that you've seen these films. So, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, because I can almost assume that you have not. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Also, my name is Arthur. Hi, my name is Justin. Um, <laughs> today we're reviewing uh, we're reviewing um, The Crow Salvation, The Crow Wicked, Wicked Prayer, and uh, and The Crow um, the, the Crow as a franchise. Let's just get into it, shall we? The Crow Salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so uh, I'm just going to jump in and spend about five minutes yeah, on you, this. So, so we, we, we spread the we spread the load here uh we shared the burden you watched the crow salvation and i watched the crow wicked wicked prayer i have a feeling yeah. i came out the better for it uh i have deal, seen but. i have seen the crow wicked prayer or and and i have feelings about it we'll talk about it but here we go the crow salvation uh came out in 2000 directed by barat naluri it stars eric mabius as alec corvis um uh kirsten dunst uh william atherton oh. of, uh, of 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 ghostbusters and uh ghostbusters and go and uh die hard fame um uh and and yeah um this is a film uh i'll just give you the plot uh i don't have it written out i'm not as good as arthur sorry about that 
Alex uh, Alex Corvex is a death row convict who has been wrongfully accused of the death of his of the death of his girlfriend. Uh, he is put to death, and when he is put to death, a an iron helmet is placed on him, which melts his skin off and gives him scars that make him look like the crow as we know it. He comes back to life almost immediately, like while he's still in the morgue, and has to find out who was it that actually killed his girlfriend and then framed him. Helping him along the way is Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is the sister of the uh, of the girl who who was his girlfriend who was murdered by the bad people turns out that the bad people uh were all in league with a dirty police commissioner who is trying to hide his connection to the porn and drug craze that's going on in this indescript city where they live um he reveals that the police commissioner is involved the police commissioner has some supernatural stuff that he knows about but not too much he's heard legends of things like this kind of happening sometimes um he tricks poor uh poor alex into thinking that he has killed everyone who is responsible and almost going back to being dead um and then because he was tricked into that he loses his power you see because he has no more reason for revenge because he killed everyone who was directly involved and then he turns around and decides to kill him but once it becomes evident that he has been guilty the whole time eric or sorry alex gets his power back and fights the police commissioner wins and then uh and then gets to go be with the the girl he loves forever um this is a film that uh that is different than the first two and i applaud it for that as you can hear it's it's sort of a whodunit procedural um and it is shot yeah, like that, a low, that sounded interesting it, it's the story is interesting the script is terrible the acting's no good um the the ambition of this film arthur is so unbelievably low um it starts off with uh it starts off with the same shots over and over again um the every room is a small room it's shot in sort of that 90s cheaply made tv aesthetic we're talking season one of buffy or maybe like season two or three of the highlander tv show um, it's, you know, when there's a city block, when there's a club he has to go into, there's like a wall and a door for the club and like smoke in the background. There's like no other buildings. It's just that, mm-hmm. um, everything is shot in close up. There is no real action to speak of. There are, are like one or two set pieces. They do blow up a bus at one point and they maybe blew up an old helicopter. I can't tell. Um, there's a smattering of TNA in the middle of it. Um, that is really out of place. I applaud this film for trying to do something different in its uh, in its continuation of the story, but it now makes it so that the crow is a thing that happens sometimes. And it, you know, last time I I had a problem with how the crow was not grounded in the real world. This one is so grounded in the real world that the bad guy is literally just like the com- the police commissioner trying to cover up some dirty cops. Um, mm-hmm. there there is nothing about this film that is interesting up to and including the way that it was uh the way that it was shot. It has a twenty two percent above. It's only got nine reviews, and that's notable. Like it. I don't think it was released in theaters. It was released in 2014 uh, on DVD coming uh, coming 17 years after City of Angels. Um, and it is, uh, it is the, of the four, it is the only one that is not available to rent anywhere. You can only find this film by subscribing to Cinemax, which I did in order to watch this movie. Oh. It cannot even be. Oh, dude. It cannot, wow. It cannot, wow. It, it's a seven day free trial. I'm canceling it fast. 
Um, Cinemax sucks. Why does, why do it, it look uh, not to go too far on what I'm going to say here, but in a world where the internet exists, why yes, do people have I, Cinemax? Why do we do that Cinemax? Yeah, I was literally just thinking that was the one thing Cinemax had going for it. Um, I, this, this film is, is just, um, it's not good. It, it's, it's completely unambitious. And where I said last that my review of the crow, uh, city of angels is that it tried a bunch of stuff and most of the choices were bad. The one thing that this movie tries is to have a plot that is different, but it is the worst possible idea to make the, I mean, th- this has close shot in the, a standard, like, like rent a set of a lawyer's office of him sitting there with his lawyer going through suspects. Like he already with a makeup on going through suspects with his lawyer. He spends most of the movie in a prison jumpsuit um he doesn't really have long hair there's nothing gothic about it he wears a trench coat for like 10 minutes um Mm -hmm. there is nothing in this film that offers me any of what the crow would give me and i i'm brought back to the movie um blair witch uh blair witch book of shadows which it is um book of shadows is an interesting movie in its own right when you watch it but the blair witch is not in it it is just eventually the what i took out of the movie which is a hard to understand movie sometimes is that it's a movie about mass hysteria but there is maybe not anything supernatural going on and that's not what you went to it for if i went to a freddy krueger movie i would want to see some nightmares this literally has like this literally has like he kills somebody by shooting them a couple of times and then draws a crow on the hood of their car mm-hmm. and that's it that's that's what happens and that it's it's so unambitious that it has no emotional effect on me at all and ultimately what the crow needs to bring to me is an emotional effect that's why i love the first one that's why i hate the second one this one i feel nothing i was bored i was really 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 bored one out of five your turn okay uh well like i said i think i came out the better for this um the crow wicked prayer that i saw um let's be clear this is not a good film um but again expectation has is so important because if you had to if you had to lock me in a room and say you're going to watch two hours of a terrible film i i'll be honest i you know like after having watched this one i was like you know what i'm glad that it was this one um this one is for one thing this has in theme and tone uh this has very little in common with the first two uh it take like for one thing half of the film takes place during the day at least uh you know and you can see the sky so you know already we're in a completely different world um it takes place in a southwest uh, in a nondescript southwestern american town where there's like some kind of conflict between uh local miners and uh, an Indian tribe that tribe that wants to build a casino. Uh, the Indian tribe is sort of headed up by Danny Trejo as an Indian Christian reverend. Uh, and the Eddie Furlong, uh, who we know as John Connor in Terminator 2, uh, all grown up now, kind of, uh, is the crew character, Johnny Cuervo. Um, and, uh, you know, everyone's uh, favorite broody vampire, David Boreanaz, is the bad guy, who essentially is, he's an ex-con. Uh, he actually was in jail with Johnny Cuervo. Uh, he's an ex-con who now heads up a satanic cult. His three uh, friends are pestilent, you know, he just calls them pestilence, play, uh, pestilence, famine, and war. Uh, plus Tara Reed is his mysterious woman sidekick. Um, okay, yes, not a good film, but man, they were making interesting choices. Like, there was a plot to this. There was a story that almost worked. There was character, but like, let me put it to you this way. This was a, vi- this was a crow villain where not 
only did he have a backstory that sort of described how he came to be the evil that he was, he also has a backstory that includes a previous history with the character who was the crow. Like, there is actual backstory that, and they don't just, and it's not just a, you know, at the very beginning they explain, oh, these people were, you know, uh, you know, these people were convict friends together, and this, it's like, it, it is backstory that is revealed through the action of the movie. You know, like, good script writing is supposed to be. Uh, there is Dennis Hopper as a character who basically plays a wicked, uh, a wicked reverend-ish owner of a strip club, uh, with a penchant for referring to the Satan with a lot, referring to Satan, um, as his homie and other urban slang. Is that a good choice? No. Is it interesting? It's Dennis Hopper. You tell me. Uh, it's got David Boreanaz basically doing goofy, crazy, evil Angelus. Uh, granted, he doesn't have the advantage of the script writers like Drew Goddard and David Fury and um, and all the people who made Angel as good as it was. But it's Joss still Whedon. Joss Whedon. Yeah. The but uh, but it's still David Boreanaz doing that thing that we love to watch David Boreanaz does. And even though the lines aren't as good, he's still nailing it. Um, Eddie Furlong has some cool moments like this crow character is more evolved. He not only, um, you know, of course, per the usual, his girlfriend is killed. However, the movie doesn't start with the girlfriend already being killed. The first 15 minutes of the movie, the girlfriend is very much alive and we see them together. We see them in love. We, she is the daughter of the, of the reverend. And of course the family hates Johnny Cuervo. Um, and the, uh, so of course he's at first framed for her murder, although it doesn't really matter because he's killed at the same time she is. But the point is we see that relationship ahead of time. Um, is she a profoundly compelling character? No, but there's there is more there is more weight given to story elements uh, in this. Um, they don't the, the writers don't just take for granted. Oh yeah, his girlfriend was killed, so that's gonna make the emotional connection uh, of his revenge. It's like no no maybe we should try to show a little bit about that relationship. They they don't necessarily succeed in it, but I understand. But I I applaud them for trying it. Um, this crow is more ambiguous in his desire for revenge. Uh, there is a, we, we talked about what makes a superhero a superhero. There is a point where the crow in this has the option of pursuing David Boreanaz so that he can act his final revenge or base, or dive tackling a, uh, dive tackling the character of War who has gone suicide bomber and is threatening a posse of, you know, like the sheriff and the, um, Played by Tank you know, from Dan- The Matrix, by the way. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're so right. Yeah. Um, yeah, War is, and that's the thing, these, each of these individual characters of the gang are interesting. Um, you know, War only speaks, I think literally only speaks in dialogue that is famous quotations about War. Is that the best choice in the world? No. Is it interesting and bold? You're damn right it is. Uh, you, but so he's, ta- so the crow has to tackle this guy who's about to blow himself up from blowing up not innocent children, but a posse of people, all of whom hated Johnny Cuervo. And he still has this moment, he's like, damn it, and makes the choice to save them instead of immediately going after uh, David Boreanaz. Look, it's not the biggest. An, there's an interest. There's an interesting point I forgot to bring up about the third movie, which is that this character gets in shootouts and kills all sorts of of collateral damage in that one, mm-hmm. and he's actually called out for it. Like, like, like you're just killing people, and you know, like it's it's you know, it's like an '80s action movie. You're just kind of shooting everybody. So it's interesting to hear that finally we have a crow who might be. I guess Brandon Lee was heroic to Sarah in the first one. Like, he yes, gave some yeah. focus on doing good things for her. 
But the last two guys were not altruistic to anyone. So it's good. To I mean, hear Eddie Furlong guy. is like Eddie Furlong's Johnny Cuervo is just something. It's like you feel for the guy. You really do. It's like, dude, life dealt you a crap hand and you're making and even in undeath, you're making the best of it here. Um, the uh, there's even a couple. I mean, there's a cool a few lines that like really landed. There's this, uh, you know, again, of course, you know, um, Johnny Cuervo was not beloved of the uh, was not beloved of his girlfriend's father. Again, Danny Drejo the reverend um but there's this moment after eddie furlong as the crow has rescued all of them danny trejo is just sort of standing in front of him staring at him and on the one hand sort of being like oh you're the crow like in the old folklore so you're a good guy but at the same time you're johnny cuervo who is this piece of trash that i hated and so danny trejo in his danny trejo way he's just like how could god choose such a man and eddie furlong just stops and he's just like i don't know she did and i'm watching that i'm like oh damn that's a that's a good line that's 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 a moment of good dialogue okay um look is this a good film no no it is not the action scenes are terrible the the cinematography of it is no better than you would expect from a from a one hour tv special and not even a season finale um not to mention there is uh you know they try to weave the crow legend into a certain amount of uh native american folklore like let's be honest i don't even know that much about native american folklore or society and i can tell there is almost certainly all kinds of offense and problematic stuff going on here that I don't even know about. Um, it is not a good film. Uh, but again, if I had to sit down and if I had to choose a bad film to watch, if I had to choose a bad film to rewatch, I might choose this one. So here's an interesting thing. This movie on sits on uh, Rotten Tomatoes at a 0% tomato meter. That makes no sense to me whatsoever because it is infinitely better than number two. And from everything that you've described, I can only assume it's better than number three. It only has six reviews, and keep in mind the way that Rotten Tomatoes works is either is the movie good or bad, and all six reviewers agreed with you the movie is bad. So, zero percent. Um... I will say well, that I guess that to me it's just like then then this movie more than any other film in the genre more than any other film I've ever seen this movie proves the flaw in Rotten Tomatoes rating system yeah especially when there are only six reviews um, yeah. which is it's funny I, I would my not wife give, will come up I would not give this film more than a 35 don't get me wrong but it yeah. definitely deserves double digits and and 35% is its audience score actually it's funny you would say that um, oh huh. the, uh, <laughs> that's amazing there you go that's when accurate. my when my when my wife uh, wants to find a film to watch she'll go oh this one has seven 70% and I go, how many reviews? Four? Okay. Let's mm-hmm. let's look at the amount that it has. So I yeah. I I my memory of this film, which is again 10 years old, was that it uh it was not as interesting a plot as the third one, but that it was way more fun to watch. So might mm-hmm. I suggest this? We have the first one, it's leaning into gothic romantic revenge. The second one is l- leaning into style. The third mm-hmm. one is leaning into plot. Let's maybe the let, let's try and make it this this sort of grounded idea. And this fourth one sounds like it's leaning into being a bad movie. Um, no, I, you, know like, you know what? I wouldn't. Well, no, hear me I out. Hear me out. There, 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 hear me out. Hear me out. There is joy into leaning into being a bad movie, where the director goes, "Yeah, I've I've made movies that could be called bad movies, but they're fun." Where you just go, "Ham it up, ham it up, David, ham it up, Dennis, ham it up, Tara." Um, uh. Ham like let's just make somebody just quote war let's just be like let's make all the silly decisions we can and we're going to try because the first movie you said is not fun to watch 
it, I found it affecting. I wouldn't call it fun. You're calling this one fun. And I remember this one being kind of fun. Would you say this is, that, is the most fun of the three that you watched? Okay, yes, I would agree with that. My thing is like the, and, and I guess I can see where you're going for with the leaning into the bad. I don't know if this is necessarily leaning into a bad film. It is a film that maybe knows. Maybe bad, maybe camp. Maybe the word I'm looking for no, is but, camp. No, and the, but that's specifically not it. There's no camp that I necessarily caught from this. Um, All right. There was no, it. now it was something that was deliberately, like it was clear that the people knew exactly the budget and ex- like they knew exactly how much film they could make. And so because of that, this film is not, this film does not in any way reach beyond its ability. Um, like, so in that sense, I think they knew that they were making a quote unquote, you know, a not great film. Um, yeah, they, they, yeah, they very much knew they were making a B movie, but they don't lean into, hey, let's kind of, and don't get me wrong. I love B movies that lean into them being B, that, them being B movies. I mean, Ninjas versus Zombies being a phenomenal example of that. Uh, the, uh, but what I'd say this film had to offer, the first one, um, well, you said that the quote unquote strength of the second one was tone. The third one was plot. What was the strength of the first one? Oh, I said the style, not tone. I hate style, the tone, but the yeah. style. Um, the, the, sty- third yeah. one, the, 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 the third one, the third one was tone. Is... The second was style. The third one was plot. Trying this one to I'd lean into say was... unsuccessfully to plot. Yeah. Um, the fourth one is character. Like the characters in this are interesting. I could take a bunch of the characters from this, put them in a better plot, and it would make a really great film. Um, it makes me wonder, say, is this is this the first film? Because you say it's not good, but it knows what it's doing. And it con- is this the first film since the first since the first crow that's attempting to do something and is successful in att- in their attempt? It's it's halfway successful, which let's be honest is probably as close as we're ever going to get. Um, I mean, it is it is very clearly doing something wildly different. The idea of taking the legend of the crow, but then putting it in a wildly different location, uh, and like it is very clearly nothing about this film is trying to be gothic at all um there are some actually cool uh you know some of the deaths in this land harder um they because they they show more not in terms of gore but in terms of actual character pain um you know there's so it's this film is not dark in style but it's just as dark in terms of the kind of things that characters have to go through but it shows them all in very different ways like so in that sense is this film if this film did not have the name the crow would this be part of the same franchise? No, not remotely. It is so strong a departure in terms of tone and style from the first two that if you picked this up wanting to see a quote-unquote crow film, you would be sadly disappointed. Um, but for what it is, it doesn't suck. Interesting. So I'm I. What you're telling me reminds me of not in budget or ambition clearly, but of maybe some of the later Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, for instance, that they were like, okay, we're not ever going to get back to the scariness of of Freddy from the first one. He's never going mm-hmm. to be that guy anymore. We can't scare you anymore with Freddy, but we can still yeah. entertain you with Freddy. Freddy can still entertain mm-hmm. you and it can still be violent, but we are now leaning into entertainment value as opposed to emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And maybe that was the way to go. Um, I want to have a, a, a real brief conversation about what to do with franchises like this um, and with franchises yeah. in general. Um, at the end of their lifespan. Uh, specifically, I'm not talking about franchises like Star Wars where you can go, Disney killed it. It's at the end. Um, or Star Trek, which has, has existed in ebbs and flows through through time. Uh, mm-hmm. 
I'm talking about things specifically like um, the not even Nightmare on Elm Street, which never did this or Friday the 13th, which never did this. But we can look at things like Child's Play and Highlander and um, and this, which had a there was a show. There was a Crow TV show. Um, and the Crow TV show was essentially Eric Draven, Brandon Lee's character, dies. And there's a whole host of people who are somewhat responsible. And he every week gets closer and closer to the top while helping Officer Albrecht solve the crime of the week. That's so it was sort of a... De- that's a decent uh, decent premise. Yeah. It's it's not going to be, you know, it's shot like it's Miami Vice, you know, but it's... Mm-hmm. The, the question is, what do you do when you get to something that was never a, a huge phenomenon to start with? And someone goes, you know what? This can be made cheaply enough that we can just keep cranking them out. And I look to the, the Hellraiser directed videos. I look to Child's Play, which also started doing a bunch of directed videos before the mm-hmm. new like reboot came out um this of course had these as they went from big theatrical small theatrical direct to video nobody ever saw and then a tv show highlander was really interesting in that it did this but then the tv show got a life of its own so i want to talk about mm-hmm. that um but I, i'm reminded of a conversation we had when buffy ended where i was like i want there to be more i want it to continue And I don't like that it's not there. And you shocked me because I know you as being a guy with a ton of heart. In some ways, more heart than I have. And yet, your ability to let go of a beloved IP is remarkable. I have not heard you talk about Buffy or Angel in years. And I name all my children after it. You know, like it's... (laughs) Well, look, there's um, one thing. Because you... I I, want to make one thing. Like you, uh, you made it seem like the... Um, you said something that seemed like you had the impression that I was glad Angel ended when it did. I want to be clear. I was not. That film clearly, or that that show clearly had a few more seasons left in it. Um, I loved the ending of Angel for what they did, given the, you know, given the crap hand that they were dealt. I thought they did something magical with it. Um, and because of the way that they did something magical with that, because both of the shows were ending, um, look, it's not that I don't want, you know, franchise is to continue. Um, it's just that I believe two things. First, it is better to have a franchise go out in a moment of glory um, than to get completely run into the ground. Um, and second, uh, it's that if you are going to have a franchise, and, and I'm not even saying franchises shouldn't continue after the moment of glory, but it's but it is important to have give things time to rest so that then um, when you bring them back, they can be brought back in ways that do homage to the to the first ones. Uh, to the first time round, but you've got people who still who remember the first one but then also are able to do something new and fresh with it you never want to if you're bringing a franchise back you do not want and of course look there, there's no such thing as a blanket rule but in general if you're bringing a franchise back you do not want to bring it back in exactly the same way that it existed the first time because it existed the first time in a completely different culture uh, and I mean shoot you look at some of the really successful reboots uh, you know Battlestar Galactica being a big one. Um, and part of the reason why Battlestar Galactica was able to make big, bold new choices, which made it very different from the first one, was that you didn't, ha- was that enough time had passed that you didn't need to cater to this massive legion of Battlestar Galactica fans who were still out there. Like, if someone if someone were to bring Buffy back, uh, or shoot, I would say, if someone were to bring Buffy back, you know, 10 years ago, or if someone were to, even today to try to bring Firefly back, they would know that they would still be bound 
bound to having to please the first generation of fans. Um, and there might be a certain gift to, even if you were part of that first generation of fans, not being bound to having to do that. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm experiencing this a little bit with um, with the Arrowverse, which I'm still watching for the most part right now. The the issue that I run into is this, is there are, there are people that, I think the Highlander TV show showed me this, that Highlander, a film that was made really cheaply, um, and its sequel, which was made for more and wasn't great, was followed by this television show, which some people kind of just talk about, and then there's a Highlander TV show. <laughs> Um, the television show was really good um, for its time and actually had some serialized storytelling, some mm -hmm. within it. Um, I, I wouldn't call it really good. It's actually really cheaply made. It's cheesy. But the, the, the lead, Adrian Paul, is so good in the role. No, that, um, that show better. absolutely, I think at the very least we can say that show was way better than it had any right to be. And that is a high compliment. But it was the same show over and over and over and over and over again. Same show mm -hmm. every week. There's someone from the past. We see Duncan's person in the past. He fights them in the past and loses. He fights them now and wins and it breaks his heart to have to do so. And it's the same thing. And I realized watching that show, I could watch a hundred Highlander movies and shows every once in a while. If they put out... The, and, and I felt that way about James Bond. James Bond was just like, hey, we're going to throw you the formula out the same way over and over again and then invent mm -hmm. it and then show you that one a bunch and then invent it and show you that one a bunch. I feel that way about Freddy Krueger. Um, they could do, you know, it's interesting. There's a formula for Nightmare 3, Nightmare 4, Nightmare 5 in particular that follows kind of the exact same formula for all three films with different styles in them. I think Freddy versus Jason largely follows the same formula as well. Um, the Scream films. I could do one of those and they're pretty much the same movie every two or three years. Not always, but every two or three years for the rest of my life. I feel mm -hmm. this way about Jay and Silent Bob, which a lot of people, I don't know if you've seen Reboot. I think it's on Netflix now. Um, it's really fun. Is it as good as The Heyday? No, no, it's not. But it's still fun. And I could watch two hours of those guys every two or three years for the rest of my life. And mm -hmm. I would keep coming back. Yeah. Um. There, there is a question, and I feel that way about the crow. Frankly, you could make a movie not like the three that we just saw, but they're just like, hey, we're gonna do the first movie again in different places, and we finally figured out how. It's like nobody ever figured out how the formula of the first one worked. I could tell you, um, but nobody has done that. Um, but if they figured out the formula and just showed me one of those like every three, four years, I could do that because there's just two hours of my time. Mm -hmm. I'm running into problems now in the Arrowverse, which I loved Arrow and I loved Flash. And none of it is as good as it used to be. And at this point, I, there's so many new things I want to try. I'm watching Black Mirror, which is great. There are other shows. I've heard the Umbrella Academy is great. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming, blah, 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 blah. But there were like, at one point, three Arrowverse shows that would come on. And eventually, it would, it would feel like, oh, we just got to get through this season. And, you know, when there are only six episodes left and you're watching three shows, that's 18 more episodes that's I got to watch. I think you're um, hitting on something there. The the uh, a lot of it is how often does the thing go? Because I agree with you in that. I think that there are certain franchises that, um, you know, it's like the uh, OK, it's like take any food that is not, uh, you know, any food that is not the best food in the world. But it's still but it's still it, it's a kind of special food that you love, you know, like a really, really good like cheeseburger or something like that. Um, and I don't want a cheeseburger every day. Um, there are some foods that, you know, or like some there are some kinds of cuisines, say. Um, you know what? Forget the food thing. I'm going with cuisine in general. Thai food. Um, I could not have Thai food every day. Um, and every time I go to a Thai restaurant, there's pretty much one thing that I get, and that's the pad thai. I've tried other things on the menu, but for whatever reason, the pad thai, it is always something that I love. I would not go to a Thai restaurant every day. I would not go to a Thai restaurant every week. But if I had to have pad thai once a month for the 
the rest of my life, I would be so happy with that. Every single time. I'd go to different restaurants, and sometimes the pad thai would be a little spicier, sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes they'd lean into the peanut sauce, sometimes they wouldn't. Wouldn't matter. At the heart of it, it would be pad thai. Um, couldn't do that every day. Um, and in the same way, it's funny you mentioned Star Wars, but that was kind of the mistake that Disney ran into, was after the success of Force Awakens, I loved the fact that they, they were like, hey, let's do Rogue One. Awesome. And then Last Jedi, and then Solo. And it wasn't just that Last Jedi got mixed reviews that killed Solo. It was we started getting a little bit of fatigue. Suddenly we'd had Thai food five days in a row. And like, you know, like, here's the thing. If they came out with the Freddy film next year, I have no doubt that you in particular would absolutely be there to see it in the theater. And then four years later, they did the same thing. You would be there to see it in the theater. If there were a Freddy film that came out every year most years you might try to go see it in the theater but then maybe something would come up and you'd be like you know what maybe I can catch this one on video I've got more important things to do in my life um, so maybe that's part of the secret of keeping a franchise going even a not great franchise because the thing is even not great franchises have things about them that the people love and you're right it is nice to get your occasional hit of that but you have to time it out at exactly the right frequency people need the hit um, if there was a crow film that came out every year I don't think it would be that important for you to see it if there was a crow film that came out every four years you'd actually make it a priority um yeah i mean i think that the key to that is is there are two keys to that one the crow in particular and the anthology nature that these films would have to take would make me less likely to want to see it i'm a fan of continuity so i like things to carry from film to film mm, i think the elm the street films do it really well Three carries to four, and four carries to five, and five carries to six That's a little point. bit. Um, so I mean, five doesn't actually carry to six at all. But that it's the there's that aspect of it, and I think the other part is they would really have to understand the formula. I don't want more of these. Let me be clear: if a crow film came out next, first of all, if a crow film came out next year, I'd see it. If there was like here, here's a crow film. It was gonna. So let's talk about that real quick. There was a big budget crow film scheduled to be made with Jason Momoa as the crow. Boom. Oh, I'd see that in a heartbeat, mostly for Jason. That Momoa, was, but I would see that in he a heartbeat. Wanted, he wanted it to happen so much. Um, and it was happening, it was happening, it was happening. And then eventually it it just kind of went away. Um, for eight years, he tried and then was like, okay, you know what? I'm I'm done. Uh, but this is as of June 1, uh, 2018, the director finally left. But this was almost going to happen. A big budget remake of The Crow starring Jason Momoa. Um, uh, there have been other people. The Rock was attached, I think, at one point as he was to everything. Um, mm-hmm. They, I, I would see that. I don't love reboots. I've mentioned that before. I don't like to see remakes. I'll see them um but i don't like the nightmare on elm street remake simply because i don't i feel like it undoes the original nightmare on elm street we've had that conversation a hundred times um i ultimately feel like if you're going to do this the problem the crow runs into is that it doesn't know what it is it doesn't know what it has and so the three films that follow it seem like they don't know what they're doing and Mm. they're like let's try the crow this way and it seems like none of them are like hey let's try the crow like the crow except the second one but it fails um so maybe this isn't one that that can go down at the annals of things that can be done a hundred times maybe the crow for good or ill needs to be one of those things that it needs it does what it does it says what it needs to say and it has nothing more to say um and maybe that that's okay. It bums me out because I want more of it. But do I want more of it or do I want to just go back to that time that I could sit in a theater 17 times in a row, 13 of them by myself, jealous that my girlfriend's going to beach week without me and sit in the theater by myself going, this is what righteous anger is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> God. Oh, no, 
God, we if, were idiots if, back then. I love it so if, much. If if that story seems very specific, um, if that story seems very specific of <laughs> getting calls, you know, getting the one 10 minute call I would get every night while she was there going, well, I'm here and there are a bunch of guys here in the hotel room. We're all drinking. Have a good time, Justin. Thanks for staying home. Um, and, and then, then you watch Brandon. My... And then you watch Brandon Lee, whose whose girlfriend was murdered, and he was murdered as well. And murdered, like, and he's this, killing he's every like, man this, who's around. This guy them. gets me. This guy knows what it is to be me. If this seems <laughs> terribly specific, let me assure you that this is terribly specific. And maybe I want to. Maybe I want to go back to a time when when life was that easily quantifiable. You know, like now I got to do taxes. I think you know all I mean? of us. To a certain, I mean, to a certain degree, all of us yearn for, or it, not all of us, um, there is something about yearning for high school. And that's because back then, sure. it, I, there are times that I, look, my life is much more even keel now than it was then. Um, and because of that, there's I'm able to accomplish a lot more now than I was then. I, I feel more secure in who I am. I'm more confident. Um, I feel like my artistic choices are better as a creator. Uh, and yet, man, do I yearn for the roller coaster sometimes. I love watching you know, high school shows or movies about high school and everything because it is like back then everything mattered so very, very much. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. And part, and part of the wisdom of growing older is realizing oh, this doesn't matter that much, which don't get me wrong, is a gift in and of itself. Otherwise, I think we'd all die from stress by 28. But but how how weird is it to look back and go remember how terrible I felt? I want to feel I that, that again. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. But the the first movie, it's interesting. So I I that is of the time. So I mentioned when we first reviewed it, it was in a dollar theater, and at the time that it was in that dollar theater, this Beach Week thing was happening that I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and and in a tumultuous relationship that ultimately exploded and imploded at the same time. I wrote many songs about. It. I wrote albums about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with, wrote my first movie about many, it with many with many four letter words. My uh, my first movie, which you've seen about how. Love equals death is specifically about. So the second one I saw with my now wife in the theater, and mm-hmm. it was all on its own, not very emotional. And then you add to it the fact that here I am in this, you know, in the most stable relationship I will ever have in my life. Mm-hmm. And then the other two are just like, like, like it's maybe I, I don't know if it's just that you can't go back again, or that these are just terrible films, or both. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I, I wish that there were a series of crow films that I like. I'm going to say something that I very rarely say I wish these films didn't exist mm, so that that first really crow could have just been its own thing it is the crow and I or not that they didn't exist but that I had not seen because yeah. now they are roped into it and some of my feeling about the crow has to be spent on them mm-hmm. um, the series has that to be spent sense. on them so, yeah. so I dare you ask as we get to the end um, about the legacy of the crow um, on a scale of one to five movies um, what 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 is your feeling about the crow personally your personal feeling review of it also as a as as a cultural as, as a cultural landmark and has it stood the test of time for you uh so here's my thought now that i'm thinking about it the crow when, when did it come out what 94 93 yeah 94 um the crow captured uh and i forget whether it was in this episode of the last episode that i talked about uh you know vampire the masquerade i mean it is for all you young ones out there it is uh it cannot be overstated the impact of um, being a high schooler during the height of goth. Like, goth
goth was a, it wasn't just the fashion, it was a revolution, it was a philosophy. I mean, it was always an outcast revolution. Like, it never went mainstream. Um, the But it was a defining aspect of the 90s. Um, and it seeped into a lot, and especially in the circles where I traveled, I mean, I was always the Dungeons & Dragons Renaissance Fair going player. And while I was never goth, you can best be sure that I had a lot of goth friends, because those circles overlapped a lot. Um, and there was a particular quality to the way that it handled existential despair and loneliness and and to a certain sense almost idolized melancholy not necessarily in healthy ways I will say but it was but uh but it was certainly present um and to me I feel like the crow even having seen it um now it really was a sort of a flagship example of that um if I and again this is somebody who wasn't goth myself so I'm sure if there are any listeners who are or have been goth you'll probably have better ideas of examples than I do. But if I had to choose, okay, what are some things that would icon that, you know, if I had to point to something and say, this is the icon of the movement, um, I would probably say the three things I would choose would be Anne Rice uh, and the Vampire Chronicles. Uh, I would say uh, probably Vampire the Masquerade, uh, the, the the White Wolf role-playing games, and then The Crow might be number three. Because um, again, I don't know any of the music involved with it. Uh, in, involved Nine Inch Nails, maybe? It's like, no, it, not, like... Nine Inch Nails, yeah, that was certainly, I mean, Nine Inch Nails certainly was industrial gothic, which certainly the crow uh, does tap into. Um, all They're on the being, crow soundtrack. Yep. <laughs> all that being said, goth in that particular iteration was a very 90s thing. And and so it's sort of like if you were to, and this is certainly something that these, let, let's pretend that these other three crow fr- films didn't get made. Um, you have the crow as a representative of this movement, which then honestly could still get taught in film study classes, in things like that, because it was part of, it was part of American pop history. Um, if you were to redo the reboot the crow now or continue it it's not about getting the makeup the same it's not about finding you know it's not about trying to update the fashion per se it's about trying to tap into what was the emotional essence of that movement that the crow tapped into like just as you pretty much said of the of the overlap between love and despair and rage um and death all of those wrapped into one you would need to find some contemporary equivalent of that and then if you made a crow reboot that tapped into whatever the heck that is even if on the surface it didn't look goth at all you might actually have a more successful reboot or a more successful second quote-unquote crow film than you did with crow city of angels yeah i i um so as a as as a touchstone as 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 like like do you do you have a a rating for the the crow series or the crow as a movement do you do would you give it a a three a five is it unquantifiable to you i mean the first crow i I forget what I gave it. The first crow, I would give a three now in that it actually does have a place in cinema history. The series as a whole, I would give a, eh, a 1.5 to because it's an utterly. Yeah, because you're right. It's a, every single sequel is utterly forgivable and does kind of diminish whatever cultural impact the first one had. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be with you there on on the crow two, three and four. The as crow the number series... four, I would uh, let me be clear. The crow number four, I would give a three to. And I mean, that is the highest compliment in the world. That is a bad film. That is that that is a bad film that I would not have wasted my money to watch um you know it's it's interesting you you as you're talking this i realize the crow is able to hit a certain for high school it's allowed to tell the 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 over angry controlling overprotective boyfriend that everything he thought was right and he's really a nice sensitive guy 
<laughs> oh and- my god. Oh god, that's a dagger to my heart, but you are so right. <laughs> um oh. um and and you know, it's re- probably a reason it struck me as it did. Um let me let me just it, say it again is- like this is a, this is a rhyme I've said before that I discovered and absolutely loved, which is just like the here's to all the nice guys and how we never understood just because we weren't the bad boys that didn't make us good. I know. It's 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 it is a it is still a film that strikes me. I think on its own it works. There's a kineticism to it. Brandon Lee's performance is great. The way they handle action, it is has an aspect of martial arts, has an aspect of die hard, has an aspect of superhero. The first one is the only real superhero film. Um, you know, he's he he saves the kid, he helps the cop, he kills the super powered bad guy, he gets he gets his revenge, he's su- he's he's super in every way. He can fight with a sword, he can fight with a gun, he can fight with 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 his hands he can do flips and kicks and blow shit up and that that like like he is likable and lovable and cares about the people around him he's not just locked in despair but wants to do nice things too he gets the mom off morphine because morphine yeah, is bad that's a, for that's you. a crucial point he tells he tells the, the the cold hard truth to the people who need to hear it and delivers the hand of death to the people who deserve it um uh, it is a movie that that objectively, I think, works really, really well, despite having the worst thing that can happen. Your lead dies before it's done. Um, it is uh, an, uh, so much about that film could be taught in, in film school, but it is a movie that stands up as a as as Paragon. I give it a, a, even a higher rating after seeing the way you can get this wrong um, uh, as a cultural touchstone. You tell me, man, you worked Renaissance fairs. On Halloween, you ever see any crows? Nope. I have. I saw them at the yeah. Renaissance Fair. You know, uh, totally maybe, I guess, it, I, I, look, look, I'm sure, I, yeah, sorry, sorry to disappoint. I mean, it's, it is not, with, when it comes to Renaissance Fairs, there are, there are certain common themes that you see. I No, you're right. I'm, I'm certain I've seen a few of them here and there, but it is more, the, at, at Renaissance well, Fairs. Maybe you didn't notice them because they have become ubiquitous in 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 on halloween there's always a crow someone's always doing the crow Mm -hmm. um it's still around um and i think that that a remake maybe shouldn't happen you know i've always said you know you have the original you have the remake they're both good enjoy them both if it's something i'm not too precious about like Mm spider-man like i'm cool with it um but maybe this is one that doesn't need it maybe this is one that is is the perfect example of the film it is and also the time that and, it came i mean part of there are certain characters that are timeless spider-man being one of them um i mean because spider-man was always what it is to be a high schooler and there are certain aspects of that that have not changed since the 1960s but the crow really was i think a product of its time yeah i wonder i wonder what a i wonder what a post me Too post millennial crow would look like Ooh, that, would that's be, a that, that might listeners. be like how how does the world change how has the world changed in in terms of of the ability to be both kind and cruel um actually oh shoot i mean this is this is going to sound incredibly cliche but in terms of if the crow is also a representative of somebody who has been you know like horrifically mistreated and abused finally having a chance to give vent to their rage i'm sorry the crow has to be female the next time around if we're meaning it to oh be yeah a representative oh of yeah the time absolutely sure. yep and and yeah absolutely I, I i completely agree with you um that and that would be an interesting thing to see it would have to kick mm-hmm. ass though i mean i don't want to yeah. i don't want to don't don't give a woman the crow and then give her the crow and salvation then screw it up yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> no thank you um uh this is uh this has been super fun thanks for uh enjoying yeah. this i have some big ideas for next i don't want to just poise, poise them to you now so I, I i will i will talk to you about it when we're done 
but uh, we got other great things coming on Totally Super. But for now, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Stay sad and angry in appropriate ways. <laughs> now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment. 